Okay, so first and foremost, it's been a long time since I've had a podcast. Um, I'm not going to really dwell on why I haven't done it um, for a while there. There was no sports and there was nothing for me to talk about, but the, the main reason I'm doing one today and now is because of my frustration with both my baseball team and my football team. So I'm going to start with my baseball team, the Yankees. Um, it's been a bumpy road to the playoffs, and I, I've been a very harsh critic of Aaron Boone. I, I, I don't think he's a bad manager. I think he's a good manager. But given the team he was given when he got this job, I, I thought there was sometimes he could have been better. And I felt like the reason we hired him was to get us past the hump of winning playoff series is going to the World Series, and he hasn't done that yet. But I think Aaron Boone managed a really good year. With all the injuries and everything that happened, I think he managed a really good year. I think he's managed a tremendous postseason with using Gardner, even though I didn't think that was the right move. There's a reason he knows more than fans. But yesterday's game was so mind-boggling on why he did the things he did. On We'll start with starting Davey Garcia in game two of the ALDS against Tampa who is, say what you want about Tampa, they're a team that is gritty. They're a team that was the best team in the American League all year. From day one to day 60 of this season, Tampa Bay were the best team in the American League. There was, White Sox got hot, sure. The A's got hot. The Rays were consistently good all year. So this is not some series you could just, you know, play games with. This is a team you have to beat. They don't have to beat you. You have to beat them. They were the best all year. We were riddled by injuries. We're not the best. You get the point. And he starts David Garcia game two. And I said, okay, you know what? I understand that because if we win game one, this was before game one took place. And then I really understood after we won game one. I said, okay, you know, this isn't a big leverage situation for the kid. He's a young player, 21 years old. He can really make a stamp. And if he goes out there and gives us six innings and we win the game, we're up 2-0 with... None other than the great playoff Masahiro Tanaka going game three. He is a proven pitcher in the playoffs, and that's who I want with the ball in his hand in game three. So I wasn't critical of the move of starting Garcia in game two until he put him in for one inning and then took him out. And here's what I'm why I'm extremely critical of it. Garcia let up a home run in the first inning, but don't tell me that's why he got taken out. He was getting taken out after one inning regardless. J.A. Happ was warming up before the game even started. And J.A. Happ, if that's what you were going to do, you should have started J.A. Happ. And here's why they did what they did. They said, well, they, we want to start Davey Garcia so Cash puts out a, um, a lefty-heavy lineup, right? So you, you get the race to use their lefties a lot in the lineup. And then you switch to Happ. There's only one problem with that. Nobody is intimidated of J.A. Happ. Not one lefty batter in this whole league is intimidated of J.A. Happ. Why? Because he's not an intimidating pitcher. To a lefty, a righty, a switch hitter, it doesn't matter. He's not a lefty that's going to come in and strike three guys out in a row, three lefties, because he shuts them down. That's not who he is. If you wanted to pitch J.A. Happ, you should have just started him. Because then what happens is you put in Happ, and he's awful, because that, and that's what he's been since he's got to the Yankees in big games. He's been bad. So when you put in Happ, now... 
you have to stick with him because you can't just deplete your bullpen. Now, the one thing I'll say is that we didn't use any big arms from the bullpen yesterday. So we still have a pretty good bullpen going into the rest of the series. But it was just mind-boggling. I mean, you could do something like that if you are up 3-0 in a, game, in a seven-game series or up or up 2-0 in a five-game series. Maybe you can, you can um, excuse that. But to do this in game two against a team that has had your number all year is so, so frustrating to me, and I don't get it. And I have to address one other thing with the Yankees. I am so glad to hear tonight that Kyle Higashioka is catching again. The kid goes out, well, actually, he's like 30 years old. And he's, listen, Gary Sanchez has tremendous power. He's, uh, when you take his at-bats, from his early, from when he first started the league, he was hitting the most home runs per at-bat of anybody in the league. He has tremendous power. And I am not saying that Gary Sanchez is a bad baseball player by any means. But the fact of the matter is, is that we've been holding on hope for him to come around for three years now. He had the year he hit about 160, then the 230 year, and and now this year he hit about one, what, 130. He is bad behind the plate. How many pass balls does he have? How many wild pitches that I not wild pitches, how many balls that should just be caught that are caught by guys like Kagashioka and Kratz does Sanchez let get by? He was supposed to work on his framing. Well, his framing has not gotten that much better. The one superstar pitcher we've had in the last five years since Sanchez has been here, the one ace we've had, Garrett Cole, pitches better with somebody else. How's that? CeCe pitched better with other guys. This isn't a coincidence, and the fact of the matter is, is that when Gary Sanchez is bad, which has been, he's been bad for the last two, maybe three years now, he is really bad. He is a guy that could literally lose you a game bad on the defensive end, and then when he comes up to the plate and gives you those horrendous, looking like he's never played baseball before in his life at bats, where he just goes up there, swings at three straight pitches, doesn't care if it's a ball, a strike at his head, at his feet, and he just swings at them anyway, and he looks lost. That, yeah, and it seems to me that he always comes up in big situations. And he hasn't come through in a big situation since I can remember. Yeah, it's all great when Gary Sanchez hits a home run when we're up 9-2 already, but what does that really get you? So I'm glad to see Higashioka out there tonight when Tanaka's starting because we need to win in Game 3. After you played those cute little games that you wanted to play in Game 2, and now it's a 1-1 series with a Tampa team that are better than us this year. They are a better team. Do they have more talent? Not even close. No, they don't. Do they have a better ace? No. Cole's better than anybody on that team. But the fact of the matter is, they're a better baseball team this year. They, the, I mean, they hit, they hit better as a lineup. They, hit, they play as a team better. They're defensively better. Everything you could think of, they have been a better baseball team from day one to day 60 this year. Now, should the Yankees beat them in a series? Yes, they should. We're, we have more talent than them. However, you cannot just waste a game two against a team like Tampa. You're, you can't treat it as just a series to get to the big one. Now, now currently, as, as I'm making this podcast, Houston is up. Let me, let me just check. I'm sorry. Currently, as I'm making this, Houston is up 7-4 in the bottom of the six. And if they go on to win that game, they'll be waiting for the winner of Tampa and New York in the ALCS. Houston, the team that nobody likes, the team that cheated their way to a world, through a World Series, who knows what they were doing the last couple years, and they're waiting. They went under 500 on the year and have found a way to just 
breeze through the first two series in this American League. And the Yankees are playing cute little games in game two against Tampa. I've been a, like I said, I think Boone has managed a tremendous postseason. He even managed a tremendous year for the Yankees with all their injuries. But this is going to be questioned. If the Yankees lose this series, this will be questioned about Boone and about the whole organization because we all know this isn't just an Aaron Boone decision. This was made, and when they talked to Garcia after the game, he had no idea that he was only going one inning. So how planned how, how planned was it when you didn't even tell the person that's starting the game that, hey, I'm going to yank you after one inning? Yeah, go give, go try to get three guys out, and then you're done. What is that? I mean, and then you go two and two-thirds to Hap, and he was awful. He was terrible, and then you're bringing in Luisiaga and um, Adovino, all these scr- It's like they were content with losing game two, and that is always going to bite you. It's, you can't give up a game in a playoff series. I mean, come on. So, you know, I'm confident in game three with Tanaka. He's a good postseason pitcher. He did not pitch well against the Indians in the first uh, series, I know. But he is a good postseason pitcher. And he's proven that time and time again. I am not nervous when Tanaka is on the mound. But I would much rather Tanaka be on the mound in a 2-0 series than a 1-1 series. And it was possible because we had our worst hitting game Besides Stanton, we got one run on a LeMahieu single in the ninth. So, I mean, really, Stanton had four RBIs. He had a three-run homer and a solo homer. So, besides him, our lineup was not good yesterday. And it, uh, every other game in this postseason, the lineup has been solid. It, every oh, One through nine, Frazier has gotten a couple big hits. Judge, big hits. LeMahieu, he always gets big hits. And if, let me just end by this. If the Yankees don't give DJ LeMahieu a blank check at the end of the year and say, tell, tell us how many years you want to stay here and for how much money, then they're fools. This is the, he is a top five hitter in baseball. Not home runs, not, not uh, doubles, not, not any, not, he's not the most powerful guy. He is a top five hitter. The guy just flat out hits. He gets big hits. His, he's hitting 390 with runners in scoring position since becoming a Yankee. That's unheard of. You gotta pay him. It's not even a question. And you know what? We, if we didn't have Garrett Cole, I'll say this too. Garrett Cole gave six innings, three runs in game one, and we won the game. Now, a lot of people say, well, we got Garrett Cole to be better than that. Okay, that's fine. Garrett Cole is the only pitcher on this team that I can say, okay, we, got, we better win the game when Cole pitches. And we knew that coming into the postseason, that Cole was the only guy that you could really say is a should be a win. Tanaka, like I said, is a good postseason pitcher, really good. But he's shaky in the regular season. You can never be sure with Tanaka. But Cole is that guy. Cole is a top three to four pitcher in baseball. A lot of people have number one. So when you go into the postseason knowing you have one for sure guy one probably guy with Tanaka and a bunch of other ifs. Uh, how do you throw away game two like that then? If the, if you know this, everybody knows this. It just makes no sense. And now Montgomery is a starter for game four. And you know what? something? Montgomery is not that good of a pitcher. He is a four to five in every rotation in baseball. Jordan Montgomery would be the fourth or fifth pitcher on the, on the Miami Marlins. On the Toronto Blue Jays. And this is the guy we're, we're putting in game four, which could have a lot of 
pressure on because we could be down 2-1. And even if we're up 2-1, that's a big game. We need to close it out if we're up 2-1. You don't want to go to a game five. So really, I, I, I truthfully, I didn't understand the thought process behind doing that. What did you think was going to happen? Because if you're going to look, if you're going to talk to Yankee fans and you're going to think that, oh, we're going to go Garcia for one inning and then say, and then Hap's going to give us four to five great innings. Yeah, okay. Have you watched Hap? Yeah, he had a good September. I'll give you that. But J.A. Hap in a big game, you're relying on him. And, and in Hap's defense, you're bringing him in from the bullpen, which he's not. He's a starting pitcher. So everything about that made zero, zero sense. going to get into uh, the NBA and the finals. and But first, what I want to say about the NBA is that I see a lot of these, you know, p- these famous, whether it be conservative, whatever, people that are rooting on the downfall of the NBA, and they're pulling out the numbers. Oh, the ratings are down. Least watched NBA finals ever. Yeah, it is. The ratings are down. You're right. You want to know why? Because the NBA has never in their playoffs, had to compete with both baseball and football. Football is the biggest sport in America. It gets the most ratings of the, of the three. So before you go on about that, just know football is going to win. And they're competing with both. At the same season, at the same time. There's other reasons too. This is an unnatural time for people to watch basketball. This is usually when the basketball season is starting. And a lot of people get into basketball maybe a couple months in. It doesn't matter. As badly as you want the NBA ratings to be drastically down because they put Black Lives Matter on their jersey or or put it on the court or actually have players that, you know, use their voice for social justice and for justice for people being killed in the street by police. As bad as you want that to be the reason for the ratings to be down, it's not. We know it's not. You want to know why? Because the NHL doesn't do any of that and their ratings are down even more than than the NBA's. 61% compared to about 55 So before you tweet something out about how the NBA ratings are down, make sure you know why they're down. And if you really want to know why, do it with a mind that's not full of hate and not full of already established opinions on, oh, they shouldn't be doing this, they shouldn't be doing that. Keep Keeping politics out of sports. Let me tell you something. Politics is Democrat, Republican. Somebody's life is not politics. Um, a majority, uh, a league that's majority majorly filled by uh, black athletes standing up for black people on the street being killed or black people on the street getting shot seven times point blank is not political. It's human. That's what they're seeing people that look like them and that could be them. And even even players that aren't African-American are st- st- sticking up for these people because enough's enough. I mean, what 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 about that message? Do you not understand? Enough is enough. I'm not going to get too deep into this, but I mean, it, it's just funny to me. You want politics out of sports. You want this out of sports. So why do you have them stand for the national anthem every every game? What does that have to do with a sporting event? Do I give a damn if someone's standing for a national anthem before a football game? What does that have to do with the game? If if all you want is the sports, oh, I only like the like it for the entertainment. Okay, so you only like it when the athletes entertain you, not when they try to use their brand for something bigger. But we know. every Everybody with a brain knows that th- there's only one thing they want. They want the athlete to be an entertainer. They don't even want them to be a person. They just want them to do what they like. Oh, go play, go play a game. That's all you do. You play a game. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, LeBron James doesn't just play a game. He also has a, uh, schools that for at-risk kids, you know, he also got 10,000 people to work at polls in, in the United States, which we desperately need because of a pandemic that is a lot of poll workers are usually older people. And LeBron James has had 10,000 people across the country sign up to be poll workers. So, yeah, he should really stick to basketball. How about that? I mean, and stick to stick to basketball, stick to sports. I could go on about this for years, f- for a long time. I could go on about this, but how about Sterling Brown from the Milwaukee Bucks? He was brutalized by the police. He was he was uh, parked in a handicap spot at like three in the morning outside of CVS. I don't exactly remember, but he I don't exactly remember the instance, but I remember him being brutalized by the police. An NBA player who plays in the NBA for your entertainment. Remember how you. Well, he actually experienced it. So I guess all that money and all the fame you get from the NBA doesn't stop the police from uh, from brutalizing you or harassing you or, you know, profiling you. So, I mean, it's just so ridiculous that they're trying to use the ratings as a way to discredit them using putting social justice messages on their jerseys, on the court, speaking out about stuff. Give me a break. The ratings are down because they're competing with the NFL and because it's a weird year, okay? Everything about this is weird. They're in a bubble in Orlando, and also, it's not a a highly touted matchup. The Lakers and the Heat is not what people wanted going into these playoffs. Let's let's address that. The Lakers were also, everybody wanted the Lakers, Clippers, and Western Conference Finals, and they didn't get that because the Clippers couldn't get by the Nuggets in 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 the Western Conference Semifinals. So... Give me a break with all that. It's not the it's not the um the messages of anything. It's not it's none of that. The ratings. This is not a highly touted matchup. The Lakers are are gonna win. They're up three one. I shouldn't say that, but I think they're going to win. They're up three one. Davis looks unstoppable. LeBron looks like LeBron, and you know it. it this is a this is a predict same way the Warriors winning all those championships was predictable. This is a pretty predictable now that we got to this level. We kind a lot of people had the idea. Okay, the Lakers are probably going to beat Miami. They they Miami's not a match for the Lakers. Boston, L.A. could have been a better series. Milwaukee, L.A. would have been a better series if Giannis didn't lose in the second round. I mean, really, give me a break. And in these finals, I will say the one thing I took away from it. Besides how great LeBron and Anthony Davis are and how great they've been and how how amazing of a player Jimmy Butler is and that Miami team, while they're they're young in a lot of ways with Hero, none, but not whatever. I think this is their window. I think Miami is losing their window this year because it's a weird year. They got hot at the right time. They were clicking. And they, they're, unfortunately, it doesn't look good for them now. But I don't see them as a team repeating going to the finals. I think it's a one-year thing, similar to Toronto the year before. But they had Kawhi Leonard. But if you're, if you're at the level LeBron James is, you don't walk off a court like that before the game is over. You don't do that in any level of a game. But, you know, I, I praise LeBron a lot for the type, how great of a player he is, how great of a guy he is. He isn't awesome guy he does amazing things off the court and he's generally liked around the league on the court too he doesn't badmouth anybody he's a he's since day one he's been a role model as a person as a player every way 
that was a bad look for LeBron James. You don't that that is a terrible look, and it's not even for the other team. Who cares about the other team? Your own teammates are still out on the court. You just it's just something you don't do. So I wanted to make it clear that you know that was something I thought LeBron was dead wrong on, and he he's not going to address it. It's not even worth addressing, but it was the wrong thing to do. With that being said, Lakers I think are going to win in five. Um, Finals MVP will probably go to Anthony Davis, but it doesn't matter. We know. I mean, LeBron's done it again. He's this is going to be his fourth ring, if they win, and he's gone to ten finals in his career, and he's gone to nine of the last ten. That is so. How do you even put into words how great that is? They said he couldn't do it in the West, and he he's doing it in the West. It was all Clippers this, Clippers that. Well, Clippers lost in the semifinals. And I don't want to hear anything about an easy road because you can only play the team that's in front of you. The Clippers did not get to the series where they could play the Lakers. The Celtics or Bucks didn't get to the series where they could play the Lakers. The Lakers can't say, hey, I, I want the Clippers to win so we could beat them. It's A, beat who's in front of you and it doesn't matter what kind of road you have. If that's the case, then you know don't give me a depleted ring theory because... Uh, last year, Toronto played a very injury-prone, very injured Golden State, and they won. And nobody with sense says that that's a cheap ring that they got. Same thing with the year that Golden State got their first ring against the Cleveland team with no Kyrie or Kevin Love. So, you know, that is a ring. Golden State won that ring. It was unfortunate that LeBron lost his two other guys, but the Golden State Warriors had to play who was in front of them. That's what. That's all you could do as a team. You play who's in front of you. So, I mean, I have very much enjoyed the bubble. I thought it was a great props to the NBA for coming up. Adam Silver, best commissioner by a landslide. It's not even close. There's no one even close to him as far as commissioners go. The bubble worked. Not even a case the whole time. Um, the playoffs were pretty great. And it's not over yet. I'm not saying that. But it's it's looking like it will be. And I think it was a huge success. I don't really care about the ratings. I, you knew they were going to be down because of the time it's being played. But as far as quality of play when I thought there was better defense in the bubble. I thought it was more competitive because there's no fans. It's just them on the court. And is it some I miss the fans. You miss the reactions and and you know the loud crowds of course. But you know I thought at first I was like this is gonna be weird. No fans in a bubble like this and that. But it worked and it's it it, it has worked and you know what this isn't a a non ring this isn't a not uh a asterisk ring I should say. This is a real championship, and if the Lakers win it, then LeBron James has won four, and it's that. He's won four. Anthony Davis has a ring. Dwight Howard has a ring. It's not – you can't just say – you can only play the teams in front of you, and you can only control what you control. If if the Lakers lost in the semifinals of the Western Conference and it was Denver versus um, Houston, then uh, come on. I mean – the, uh, you want to see bad ratings? That would be bad ratings. If a finals of either Denver or Houston versus Miami. Come on. So, you know, in conclusion, I think it was a very big success for the bubble. I think LeBron has shown, I've never seen a player be this dominant for this long. I've only watched since he really came into the league when he was really the first superstar I've seen. But he continues to amaze everybody, including me. And, you know, he doesn't have the offensive arsenal he had, obviously. He's 35 years old in his 17th year. He can't score like he used to, and that's just natural. I mean, he could still get into his bag for 
a game or two. But he can't score at the high clip he could. He can't get points when he wants like he used to be able to. But now he's got Anthony Davis, so he doesn't have to because AD can do that. And AD is in his prime. So, you know, uh, prediction, Lakers win in five. Bubble was a huge success. Now I'm going to talk about the Washington football team and their gross incompetence as per usual. This move that Ron Rivera has decided to make is going to be a breaking point for some people. It's I, I can't stop liking the team. I wish I could. But I I, I got to tell you, in a year where it was it was supposed to be, okay, listen, last year Dwayne Haskins had two different head coaches. He had Jay Gruden and Bill Callahan. Jay Gruden was a bad coach. He was bad from pretty much day one until his last day there. They did make the playoffs with him and Kirk Cousins, whatever. Gruden didn't want Dwayne Haskins. He made it clear. Gruden did, did not have a playbook that, that revolved around Haskins in any way. Haskins is a guy who is not mobile. He is not the most accurate. He's a, listen, Dwayne Haskins has, not, has been nothing short of bad since he's gotten into the league. I understand that. I've watched him every game he's played, and he has not been good. He's had flashes. Of course, every guy does. But he's also in his second year. He has played, I think, 11 or 13 games in the NFL, and they're giving up on him already. So the decision was that not only is Dwayne Haskins not the starter, and Kyle Allen is, and we'll get into that, but he's not even the backup. Alex Smith is the second string, and Haskins is a healthy inactive this week. He doesn't even get to dress up for the game. And what I want to know is, how did he go from being... The, the guy that, in the beginning of the year, Ron Rivera said was reminding him of Cam Newton. That's what he said. He said, he reminds me of Cam. And the trust I have in him is reminiscent to Cam. To now, in week four, when you played Baltimore, and, the, and Haskins didn't even play that poorly, now he's done. All of a sudden, eh, we need to go in a different direction. And the reasoning behind it is even more troubling. Because his reasoning behind it is that we can win this division this year, and I'd be dumb not to try it. Okay. Well, let, let's go ahead and break it down into, into more than what it is. Because this is way deeper than just what it is on the surface. As soon as Ron Rivera got here, he traded a fifth-round pick for Kyle Allen from Carolina. His old backup quarterback in Carolina. He also brought over his offensive coordinator from Carolina, Scott Turner, North Turner's son. The only reason he has a job is because he's North Turner's son, a good offensive coordinator. Scott Turner's playbook has looked horrendous this year. It looked bad last year with Carolina. It didn't do Cam Newton any good. Why would it do this kid any good? So then, you bring those guys over. There's only one problem with bringing guys over from Carolina, Ron. They stunk. Carolina stunk when you were there at the end. They were a bad football team. The only good thing about that team was Christian McCaffrey. You had a hobbled cam, and when he was out, the team was worse. So I don't get the whole, let's bring Ron Rivera over. I think Ron Rivera is a good coach. I like the move. I think he's a disciplined type of guy, and this is a team that lacked discipline. So I think that it was a good move. 
But this is puzzling. This is aggravating. We had we drafted this guy in the first round last year. Washington used the first pick of last year's draft on Dwayne Haskins, and they didn't play him for a while. And then they did, and he was bad because the team was horrendous. And guess what? The team is even worse now. Yeah, the defense got a little better. Great, we got Chase Young. But guess what? The O-line is just as bad. It's Actually, it's worse because we got rid of Trent Williams. So the O-line is worse now than it ever was. And on top of that, you have no run game. Gibson looks like he could be something in the future, but he's nothing now. You have no running backs. You have one weapon at wide receiver in Terry McLaurin. He is tremendous. He is just awesome. He, he is going to be a household name, and he is going to be a top five receiver, maybe by the time the year is over, if not the next year. But the point is, this Dwayne Haskins had no shot here. Everything is dependent on where you get drafted, and he got drafted to the worst organization in the league. The worst. Look at look at where how Lamar's doing. They get Lamar in Baltimore and they develop a whole system around him. Mahomes, how great he is. And I'm not saying Haskins is anything close to that. I don't even think Haskins is that good. I think he could be a good quarterback if he got drafted to the right team and a coaching staff that believes in him and an organization that believes in him from day one and puts things around him that helps. But this team doesn't do that. They haven't done it for any quarterback ever. Remember the wide receivers RG3 was throwing to? All of a sudden, Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson were both 1,000-yard receivers. How's that? Yeah, maybe because RG3 was making them. And then, you know what? Let me just focus on Haskins for a second here. He's played a little bit of last year and four games of this year. He's had three different playbooks, three different systems with Gruden, Callahan, and now Rivera. And you're not even going to give him this year? This year is a dud. Everybody that likes this team or watches the NFL knows Washington is no good. And his reasoning that, oh, well, the division is still up for grabs so we can win it. Yes, so what? The division is the worst division in football by a mile. And it's a terrible division. So let's say, hypothetically, because they're not going to win the division with Kyle Allen. No team in history will. But let's say they do. Let's say Kyle Allen comes in and he's awesome. And he plays real well in Ron Rivera's coveted system. And Scott Turner's great offense. And we go 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven and win the NFC East. What playoff team are we beating? I gotta stop saying we. What playoff team is Washington beating in the playoffs? What, what team could they possibly beat? So you win your division and then you play the wild card. Which is probably going to come out of the West because that division is stacked. The Rams. The Rams would wipe the floor with you just like they're going to do on Sunday. Are you kidding me with this? I have have not been more frustrated with this team and the decision-making in a long time. I thought we were going in a new direction, getting rid of Bruce Allen, getting a new GM. Well, now we got a new GM, but really, Ron Rivera has been making the calls, and and I thought that was a good move. Okay, you got your coach, let him make some moves. Ron Rivera knows what he's doing, right? Right? That's what I thought. And now, so my point is, there's no upside to this. Because now, your relationship with Haskins is done. Haskins will never play another snap with Washington. And if he does, he's never going to sign a contract with us. And guess what? You put Kyle Allen in there, a guy who everybody in the league knows stinks. He's not good. He lost his job to Will Greer, who was awful. Will Greer's one of the worst quarterbacks ever playing an NFL game. And you're going to put Kyle Allen in. You're going to, you just ruined Haskins' confidence that if he had any. 
And you can't go back to him because you didn't even make him the backup. You inactivated him. What is the thought process? The, the best case scenario here is, like I said, you go 8-8 eight and eight and somehow win this putrid division. And then you lose in the first round of the playoffs. You get knocked the hell out. You get you get smacked. I'm not even... You can't even compete with these teams. You can't compete with L.A. You can't compete with friggin' Arizona. Look at what Arizona did to us in week two. Come on. This is... And this is just furthering the importance of where a quarterback gets drafted. Washington is the worst place to get drafted for a quarterback in the whole league. There's not a team that's worse for you. Look at Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, an organization that's also pretty bad. They're usually not that great. They're an organization that's not run very well. Guess what? Burrow looks good, right? And he's got a bad O-line. And that, and, but he's got weapons at wide receiver. He's got Boyd. He's got Green. And now he's got the kid T. Higgins, the rookie. And he's got a running game with Joe Mixon. Washington are minus a running game right now. They were last year, so we had Adrian Peterson, who still had a little gas in the tank. But that's not a running game. They have nothing to help Dwayne Haskins. And I don't know if Ron Rivera thinks Kyle Allen is going to come in and be Patrick Mahomes, but I don't know what he's thinking. And if you... Here, here's what really what really irks me. We have a defense that... the Washington has a defense that is good. So when you have a good defense, the thought process is you could get a, a good quarterback, a decent to good quarterback, and he could get you to the playoffs because of your good defense. So if you thought that Haskins was so bad before the year that you would yank him after four games, then why didn't you get Cam? Why didn't you go after Cam? Why didn't you go after Nick Foles? Why didn't you draft Tua? Or Herbert with the second pick. Everything you did told everybody in this fan base and everybody around the league that you believe in Haskins and that this year is really his year to prove it. Well, guess what? He hasn't given, been given a chance to prove it. They didn't even have a preseason this year. He had to learn a brand new playbook without a preseason. And was he good? No. I know. I, I get it. His stats last week against Baltimore, they were garbage time stats. You think I don't know about garbage time stats? Kirk Cousins was my quarterback for years. I know everything about garbage time stats. But Haskins has not been given a chance. It's similar to Josh Rosen, but this might be even worse. At least Rosen, they replaced with someone that's really good in Kyler Murray. Now, who's going to replace Dwayne Haskins in the long term? Because you're not going to be bad enough to get Trevor Lawrence. You got like Four or five teams trying to be bad enough to get Trevor Lawrence. Who are we going to get? Uh, Justin Fields, he's a question mark, just like Haskins was a question mark. But Haskins was a question mark, and you got him at 15. And I loved it when we drafted Haskins. But this is such a this is such a Washington-esque move. And it's a Washington move that you thought they would do three, four years ago, like they when they had RG3. But they're doing it now with with when it looked like there was a new direction. And that's what's so aggravating as a fan. It's like, you finally look like you're getting everything right. And listen, I'm not saying that if we left Haskins in, he was going to go 7-9 and nine and, you know, look good. He looked bad. I get it. But what is the upside of this move? You killed your young quarterback's team. You made him a captain in the beginning of the year. I mean, this is hypocritical. Unless more news comes out and maybe it's a, a personal thing where Haskins did something he shouldn't have done, maybe... You know, you never know. So I don't want to 
kill Rivera and the Washington for doing it too much, although I already have. But it makes absolutely no sense. It doesn't make... He hasn't even played a full season. You got guys that aren't good until their second or third year as a quarterback. Playing quarterback in the NFL is probably the most difficult position to play of any major sport. It's you got to learn every play in the playbook. You got to do it right. You got to not miss throws. And Haskins misses a ton of throws. Trust me, I watch him. I get aggravated. But name me and. The weapons are really what bothers me because you had this offseason to get him more weapons. And I don't even like saying that Terry McLaurin is a weapon because he is a weapon. He's a great receiver. But you got him luckily. You drafted Terry McLaurin in the third round. Other t- another team could have jumped up in front of you and drafted him before you. But you, I'll give Washington credit. I guess they saw something and got him in the third round. But you cannot use it as as some type of... You know, oh, well, he has McLaurin. No, you got lucky with McLaurin. How about you go get him a receiver? How about you go get him a tight end? How about you get him an offensive line? The only decent person on this offensive line is Brandon Sheriff, and he gets hurt every other game. This is a joke of an organization. They don't know how to do anything right. It's like they try to do the wrong thing over and over and over again until their fans just don't want to watch anymore. What excitement can I have for this week coming up knowing that Kyle Allen is starting at quarterback a guy who is not our long-term guy we know he's not and he's not going to be there past this year probably I mean what is Rivera thinking did he think the fans would be on board with this at all and really though what do you think is going to happen Allen's going to go 12 and all the rest of the year we're going to go 13 and 3 and march through the playoffs and win the Super Bowl come on man this is a god-awful move, and it's not only that, it is, a, it is a frustrating move because it doesn't make any sense. This isn't Haskins' third year. This isn't a guy that has acted out and, you know, given you a reason to not like him. He did everything right in the offseason. He lost over 20 pounds. He, show, he showed um, a lot of leadership. In week one, Rivera said, oh, I couldn't believe... Haskins was giving the speech at halftime because I was getting an IV. Come on. I mean, what? It is so aggravating to like this team. And like I said, if you knew you had this little of trust in this guy, why didn't you get Cam? Why didn't you get Foles? Why didn't you go after Rivers? You got a good defense? Go for a year. Take a chance. You didn't do any of those. You didn't draft another quarterback. No, you just bench him for Kyle Allen. The fact that we traded for Kyle Allen is a joke. The fact that anybody would give up more than a bag of chips for Kyle Allen is a joke. He is bad. And guess what? The Where he was bad? It was your system. So this makes absolutely no sense. I If I talk about this more, I'm going to get so angry. I was, I, I was so angry when I read that as a fan. I didn't care if we went... If Washington went three and thirteen this year, and guess what? You go three and thirteen. Haskins looks awful. Okay, he's not the guy. You know he's not the guy. He didn't do one thing better this year than he did last year. Then he's not the guy. That's fine. But what if he went six and ten or seven and nine, and towards the end of the year he started to get the system and he looked good? The O line got a little better. The receivers got a little better. I mean, this is so puzzling, and the reason I'm very 
frustrated about it is because there's no coming back from this. Dwayne Haskins does not play another game in a Washington uniform. And I, I'm not going to guarantee that because he's not going to deny playing. And maybe Rivera's using this as some cheap motivation, but he's, that's a dumb move if he is. I, I, I think I've said all I have to say. When I come back, I'm going to give my NFL picks of the week, including tomorrow's game, and I'm going to wrap it up. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up with my picks for the week, including tomorrow's game. But before I do that, I'm going to talk about the NFL and its arrogance for just a minute. You had more time than any other major sports league to adjust to the COVID-19 pandemic and how to play through that. You did nothing. Goodell did nothing. He did nothing. Why do you think he saw so many NFL players opt out? Because there was nothing done to ensure their safety. No, I get it. You can't have a bubble. It's too many players. It's this, it's that. You got to come up with something, a ground set of rules or regulations. You can't do this. You can do this. If, a, if an outbreak happens, this is what we do. They came up with nothing because they're arrogant and they know the NFL makes money anyway. And now the result of that, Tennessee's probably not going to play this week again after they didn't play last week. And what else? Uh, you're going to have other teams. Stephon Gilmore has it now. He was hugging Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is around the Chiefs. Gilmore's around the Patriots. They played the game after Cam Newton was had it. It just is so irresponsible of the, on the NFL. Adam Silver in the NBA on the fly came up with a bubble idea. The MLB is, even though it didn't really work that great, it worked. And the postseason is, the postseason is going great. And ever since a couple outbreaks of the Marlins, uh, the Reds, the Mets, and uh, the Cardinals, I'm sorry, it has worked. Because they came up with plans. And they did things. No fans. No this, no that. The NFL's letting fans in if your state allows it. It's a, it's a joke how arrogant Roger Goodell and the NFL is. But irregardless, the NFL is still the most watched sport in, in America. And I'm going to go into my picks for the week, who I think is going to win. I have four picks only because I wanted to pick tomorrow's game because it's tomorrow and I wanted to pick it. And in that game, the spread is, I believe, three and a half. Once it is three and a half, and I got the Bucks minus three and a half over the Bears. Um, this was an easy choice for me, even though it, it obviously could go either way. Spreads and football goes either way. But I think the Bucks are the hottest team in football right now. Their, their defense looks tremendous. Brady looks like he's not lost a step, and that's insane. I mean, what a game he had last week in that second half coming back. Um, the Bucks are a much better team than the Bears. I think their defense is better right now, and their offense is way better because the Bears' offense is pretty bad. I mean, listen, I am in favor of benching Mitchell Trubisky because I think he's given enough time. He's been given enough time to prove he's not that dude. He's not that dude. We know Trubisky's not that dude. You got Foles for a reason because Trubisky ain't that dude. So I get the benching, but Foles doesn't look much better. He looked. Great in that come-from-behind win. Yeah, woohoo! you came back against the Falcons. Everybody does. Um, no, but seriously, though, this is a bad offense, and the defense has not looked good in the last two years either. The defense seems to, on the Chicago team, seems to be good until they need them to be. When it's a game-winning drive, they let it up easily. They should have lost in the week one against Detroit if Swift doesn't drop that touchdown. So, you know... I'm, I'm hesitant on the Bears. I think they're the worst 3-1 team in football, maybe in football history. 
Um, I think Nagy is less than advertised. I think he had a good first year. That year they went 12-4 and four and they lost because of Cody Parkey. He had a really good year that year, probably because he was new and people didn't really know the system and, you know, all of that. And the, and the defense was, but with Fangio, was phenomenal that year. It was untouchable. Best defense in the league by far. They are not that anymore. They are not. Bears are a top 10 defense probably, but probably closer to 10 than 1. And they, it's, I don't know if it's Chuck Pagano, if it's because Vic Fangio's not there anymore. I don't know if the players have gotten worse. Mac doesn't look nearly as good, but they're just not. They're, they can't rely on that defense to carry them like it, like it used to anymore. So they need some good offense, and they don't have it. So I think the Bears don't end up a team that's – I think the Bears end up on the outside looking into the playoffs, put it like that. And I also think they're not going to win this game against Tampa, and I think they're going to lose by more than three and a half points. Other than that, uh, we have Jacksonville versus Houston. For some odd reason, Houston are favored by six and a half in this game. I love Jacksonville plus six and a half a lot. I think Houston, who just fired Bill O'Brien, rightfully so, um, good move, but you should have done it before they, he traded uh, DeAndre Hopkins away, right? Whatever. But uh, plus six and a half for Jacksonville, I think this is a, a, not a lock, but I really like this move. I really like this pick. I think Jacksonville is not horrible. I think Minshew is not bad. He's a pretty good quarterback, and he seems to have a flair for the dramatic, and their running game is pretty good with Robinson. Their defense is not bad, and Houston's defense is bad. And Houston's offense doesn't look that great either. Watson is phenomenal. He has no line, and he doesn't have weapons because he traded away DeAndre Hopkins. So Houston could easily win this game, and they could easily win it by seven, but I'm going Jacksonville plus six and a half. Next pick, I'm going with Carolina. And uh, sorry for the bit of a pause, a bit of a technical issue, but I'm going Carolina plus one and a half against um, Atlanta. The reason being, um, Carolina looks like they found a little something there. Their defense is pretty good. Um, the running back, Mike Davis, who took over from McCaffrey, he looks good. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is coming into his own. He looks, he looks pretty good as a quarterback back there. The offense doesn't look bad. Robbie Anderson's having a good year. Uh, DJ Moore is DJ Moore. He's good. And Atlanta is bad. They're just a bad football team. They can't hold a lead. I think they that Dan Quinn has lost that locker room a while ago. Um, and I don't think that it that they're losing games on purpose. I'll never say that. But there is no heart in that locker room to play hard for Dan Quinn, it seems like, at least. And it, it just, to me, I think this is a pretty solid bet. It's a small line, plus one and a half. And I think Carolina is just going to win the game. I think they're a better team than Atlanta at the moment. Um, I, I really don't have much else to say about that pick besides that. And my last pick of the week, and it'll also be where I close out this podcast, is going to be Seattle minus seven on Monday night against um, Minnesota. Uh, Seattle is a wrecking crew right now. They are Their offense is phenomenal because Russell Wilson is one of the best play, the second best quarterback in the league behind Mahomes. And there's arguments to be made that he's the best. He has been so overlooked in his career about how great he is, and it's all coming together this year. Lockett, Metcalf, Carson back there running well. I mean, everything that could come together is coming together. The defense doesn't look that great, but you have nothing to worry about because Minnesota's a, not a good football team. They're just not. Um, they have a quarterback who's below average at this point in his career. Kirk Cousins does not look as good as he ever did. Um, Diggs leaving has had a huge impact on him. Dalvin Cook is really good. He's a great running back. 
Um, and Adam Thielen is still a really good player, and Justin Jefferson looks like he's going to be good. But they're no match for Seattle. Seattle's a much better team than Minnesota. I think they beat them by at least 10, and I don't see how Minnesota comes out of that with a win because they don't have, a, they don't have an advantage anywhere. Their defense isn't any good recently either. Seattle's had a bad defense this year. Yeah, so what? Because they've been up big in every game, so they can they, their defense can take some days off. And also, Adams is out. So, you know, I got Seattle there. It's a, it, that's actually probably, eh, I would say my most confident pick of the week is Carolina plus one and a half. But I really like Seattle minus seven in that night game. I think Russell Wilson is great, and he plays better in uh, primetime games. And, oh, yeah, Kirk Cousins is horrendous in primetime games. So that just furthers my point of Seattle easily covering that spread. And that's going to be it for this podcast. I got a lot of things off my chest about Washington, about the Yankees, and we got to the NBA a little bit, and now finishing off with my picks for the NFL week. I'm going to try to do one either weekly or bi-weekly and give some picks and my opinions on the NFL, if the NFL goes on, of course, because with what's going on with COVID and spreading across the teams, who knows. But as long as there's sports, I'll I'll try to keep up with it. Um, yep, that's about it.